Welcome to All Things Green. I'm Shelby, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. Angela Yeager is the director of the Environmental Justice Semester at Laurel School, which I'll let her tell you all about in just a moment. Angela, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here with me. Thanks for having me. Let's start by just getting to know you. Let's learn a little bit about where you're from, what you're doing now. So I'm a teacher, a mom, an activist, and just a perpetual optimist who really wants to change the world and leave it better than I found it. And you're from right here in Ohio? Yeah, I grew up in Ohio and you know, it's been a long journey from growing up on what I saw as the mistake on the lake growing mm -hmm. up to recognizing how lucky we are here and uh, you know, really that there's no better place to call home. Awesome. And you work here at Laurel School, right? Which I think I've been calling the Laurel School, but saw in your notes, I think we leave, it's like Facebook, drop the the. So you work at Laurel School, which is right here in Greater Cleveland as the director of the Environmental Justice Semester. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I have long heard about Laurel School and its reputation for just cultivating strong girls who lead. And I was aware of their Butler campus, which I knew to have sports fields and an out standing um, pre-kindergarten. And I heard some rumblings about a more extensive, extensive um, outdoor school plans. Mm. So I came out of the pandemic really ready to return to the classroom. And after some glorious slow downtime with my family, which was such a privilege that I know not everybody had. Mm -hmm. When I applied, I applied for an admired upper school teaching position, but I was contacted with a rather mysterious offer to be a part of a team to start what I would later learn was the world's first immersive environmental justice semester. How did that come to be? How did the environmental justice semester come to be? Um, so I have to give credit to Ann Klotz, who is our head of school, uh, the teams of teachers, and really our fourth grade team who designed an entire unit called Power and Purpose mm. for their fourth grade girls. And um, really that went on to become their fourth grade experiential curriculum at Butler. Um, but there was just a team of folks along the way who moved the idea forward. And while I can't speak directly uh, for Ann Klotz, she really imagined a semester experience that um, combined our Butler campus and its natural beauty mm -hmm. and the research conducted by the Laurel Center Research on Girls around resilience and leadership and uh, really just combine that with the uh, our DEIB efforts, mm -hmm. which are diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And just this idea to inspire girls to fulfill their promise and to better the world. So I think that this environmental justice semester really was the, the full package. I love that. And I can attest to the, how beautiful the Butler campus is. Uh, I was there and just walked around thinking, this is not what my high school <laughs> looked like. It was really beautiful. But I think you talked about this a moment ago, that this is the first first of its kind. So this isn't some national model that Laurel School is adapting. And so why Laurel? Why would Laurel be the place that an environmental justice semester begins? So, um, well, I, I just want to go back to environmental justice sure, yeah. and, and why environmental justice. And, you know, which really, for those of you who might not know, is the fair treatment and meaningful involvement of all people, regardless of, of race, of color, national origin, or income, with the respect to the development 
implementation and enforcement of uh, environmental laws and policies. Mm -hmm. um, and really, there's, there's so much intersectionality with climate justice and racial justice yes. and social justice. And, you know, environmental justice isn't just about having a clean environment. Uh, for all, it's really about having a seat at the table. And mm -hmm. um, we didn't really know that this was something completely novel until um, I happened to be um, in Houston, and I got to meet Dr. Robert Bullard, mm -hmm. who um, you know many refer to as the father of environmental justice, um, along with his wife, mm -hmm. who doesn't often get the credit. Intersectional, um, as yes. everything is. But so we were we were touring um, this just unbelievable oil and gas build out in Houston. Um, and we saw, you know, the flares from, from those fact, those plants and were at a baseball field right nearby. And, you know, I had a moment with him where I, I told him about the semester and, um, you know, he, he paused and made me repeat myself and said, wait, this doesn't exist yet, mm -hmm. this environmental justice semester. And I think in that moment I knew and then, you know, Laurel School also knew that this was this was something really innovative that that we were we were doing, and we really wanted this semester to be available to all students, not just our Laurel students. So we designed it where, in a way that a student can um, kind of pause their studies at their current school and enroll in the semester, and then return to their private parochial or public school at the end of the semester. Mm -hmm. And Laurel so, School is a private school, correct? It is, yep. We're a private school that believes in, you know, the public purpose of private education, um, which I think is part of the reason why, you know, Laurel's been able to do this kind of work. Yeah, so maybe fewer roadblocks than you might experience in a public school using public dollars. Um, and hopefully that model can be replicated in other schools. Could you tell us a little bit about how you might imagine, or maybe I should wait until you've told us more about what the semester really looks like, but how you might imagine that replication going? Or maybe you want to start by telling us what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, um, well, I like usually like to start with solutions. But sure. I think, like, starting with the problem here, I think I actually think that teachers face... A variety of challenges, and and schools do, particularly mm -hmm. in public schools where um, decisions are made kind of outside of the school building by mm -hmm. others, and um, you know part of what we see as the public purpose of private schools is to be innovative and dream up new ways of teaching and learning, um, and the traditional school model with subjects in their own little silos, you know, mm -hmm. your history class, your science class, it makes it really difficult for the type of interdisciplinary coursework that we're doing mm -hmm. um, and the type of field trips that we have. And so many teachers haven't received training in climate literacy. I know that I did not mm -hmm. when I went through my teacher training. Um, I do think that's changing, so I think that's really great. But I think that, you know, teachers, like any activist, really should start by making change where they have the power to make change within their classrooms in whatever way that they can. So, um, you know, you could include a climate change unit or an environmental justice unit, or even I've heard of some teachers proposing these interdisciplinary science and history mm. electives that are mm. focused around climate solutions. Um, I think that those are ways that um, all teachers can kind of make a difference. And even if they start a nature club. Yeah. You started to kind of touch on ways that any teacher could do this. But what does the curriculum look like for the EJ at Laurel? Well, I think I should start um, 
at home mm -hmm. because this semester actually occurs in a 1950s repurposed house mm -hmm. on our Butler campus. So it's filled with historic furniture that was, um, you know, harvest, sustainably harvested from Laurel School, I would say, mostly from the attic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and But the real classroom is, is Northeast Ohio. Um, we see the entire learning community and environment as, as school. And we spend a portion of each week learning from and with local organizations um, who are experts in their respective fields and with grassroots community organizations. And the, the thing that I find the most compelling about our curriculum is that it's truly interdisciplinary. It's focused on real world work. So, um, much of their work is focused around what we're calling their environmental justice action projects, mm -hmm. which involve community partners in every step of the design thinking process, from listening and empathizing with people affected by injustice to prototyping their ideas to help that, those organizations. And you know, we're really lucky to have three partners this semester that our students are working with. And um, so that's, that's really powerful. Why, why design thinking of all things? Because um, I'm a science teacher and a <laughs> scientist at heart, and um, we really wanted to engage students in the science uh, and design, uh, the engineering principles. So, but they also participate in hands-on research mm -hmm. in within the forest, and they're working on ways to improve the forest um, ecosystem, and we call that our forest resilience project. Mm. Started by some. Uh, invasive buckthorn pulling fifth graders <laughs> in a grant that I received. Um, shout out to all the teachers who write grants for your classrooms. There are so many. Um, so yeah, so this semester they're actually working on removing some invasive species that are just about ready to jump the creek and spread into the rest of the forest. That was what they determined was the um, the hottest fire on our campus. Got it. So they're making those kinds of decisions. Students are prioritizing and making decisions about their own learning and action. They are. Um, being learner-centered uh, is really important to us and having and the students having choice in, in what they read and what they write. Uh, we're doing something called professional development mm -hmm. where a student can get credit for uh, actually learning about something that they're passionate about. We've mm -hmm. got one who's studying beekeeping. Mm -hmm. um, we have uh, another student who has been joining the Sunrise Movement calls. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's really a way for our students to explore their interests. That's awesome. Anything else you want to share with us about the curriculum or sort of setup of the EJ semester? Well, everybody asks me, well, how do you handle the math? Yeah. And yeah. what do you do with world languages? Yeah. And without our really robust asynchronous partner, One Schoolhouse, mm. I don't know how we would do it. So they take um, two courses. Most students are taking two courses online which is giving them also the benefit of learning how to do that when they get to college. Yeah, that makes sense because they are, we more and more, I think are moving towards these hybrid models of learning. Mm -hmm. um, I can also think of ways that all of those things would intersect. You know, you talked about world languages and the first thing that came to my mind was how many languages we're in danger of losing as we take over habitat of indigenous people. Uh, I'm thinking about like in the Amazon and Brazil people who live within places that are suffering from deforestation and so losing those languages along the way. I'm not saying everyone's going to learn those languages in school, but I can see the intersection. I think it's important for, for students to learn about that. Yeah. Um, it's also really important for students to honor the, the fact that we are on land that mm -hmm. does not originally belong to us. Mm -hmm. So we do, when appropriate, um, 
you know, incorporate indigenous ways of knowing mm-hmm. and, um, and have land acknowledgements that we use on our campus too. That's great to hear. Um, you talked a little bit about some partners. Are there other partners that you want to shout out that make the EJ possible? Oh, I have to shout out. Thank you for reminding me. I have to shout out the three partners that really said yes to working with our students on a weekly basis. Um, the first, uh, Chris Maurer over at Red House Architecture is doing some really exciting um, engineering work and also art. Mm. Um, they're basically taking an invasive bush in Africa and turning it into building materials mm. using mycelium, which if you don't know mycelium, watch out, you'll fall in love with mushrooms. It's the root of the plant, but um, they really have, it's just fascinating. So um, our students are also working on a, a study with MIT and CASE, mm. and I can't really get into any details about that yet sure. because it's still proprietary, which is so exciting. I'll just clarify for anyone who's not Ohio, CASE is Case Western case, Reserve University. Yes, yeah. thank you. Absolutely. Um, I also want to shout out um, Robin Brown, who is the founder of Collective Citizens Organized Against Lead. She's mm-hmm. been a wonderful partner, and this is an example of a completely grassroots organization by someone who was affected directly with lead poisoning. And our students are helping her rebrand her organization. Mm -hmm. So they're creating marketing packages and all of this. But they have also um, listened to people and interviewed people directly affected by lead poisoning. That's a huge issue in our community, Mm -hmm. more than just our community, but particularly in this sort of Rust Belt city that we live in. Absolutely. Yep. Glad to hear that they're working on that. Yeah. And then we have um, Shaniqua Brown, who leads the Ohio chapter of um, Action for the Climate Emergency, or ACE. And she's really welcomed our students into a new campaign focused around air quality, which was a big issue here with the wildfires last yes. year. Um, and, you know, she is helping our students connect to legislatures and lawmakers. Uh, to it, they're really focused around House Bill 201 here in Ohio, which is um, seeking to limit um, local governments from limiting emission standards. So essentially, they want to block people from limiting emission standards. And our students are working on that with her. So that's mm-hmm. been really great. And I know we have a we have a long list of partners that we can list at the end. But um, you know, every from everyone from the Cleveland Department of Public Health, Ohio Environmental Council, um, Case Western's Environmental Law Clinic, uh, the Metro Parks, our local um, Holden Arboretum, um, so many folks that have been willing to partner. Awesome. How do students respond to doing this kind of work in, in a classroom setting, or maybe not a traditional classroom setting? Um, well, one of the things they told us about initially was that they have this eco-despair or eco-anxiety. And what I'm really learning from this work is that by being part of a larger movement that's, uh, you know, essentially pushing on a ball that's already rolling instead of starting it, mm-hmm. um, they're learning that they're not alone in caring about people in the planet. And, and that really resonates with them and I think can keep them hopeful. Um, we make it a point to involve choice. And I think they really feel seen and heard and honored Mm -hmm. in that work. Uh, So often they're told what to learn, and now they're actually asked what they want to learn. I love that. Um, And when we interviewed um, students before about climate anxiety and they were talking about that, we really tried to focus our curriculum on solutions. Yes. When I got my environmental science degree, we learned all about the problems and nothing about the solutions. So we're really flip-flopping that. 
I love to hear that. Yeah, we have the same approach here. Um, it's not always uh, sunshine and roses by the end, but if we don't talk about what we're going to fix, then we just kind of get stuck in this nihilistic wheel of saying everything's on fire. And so I'm glad to hear that your students are getting the chance to learn the problems and also thinking about where their place can be in the solution. Yeah. And I mean, just this week, I have to say, there are a few, uh, share a few things. Yeah. Um, they said, I can't even believe how much we've done in a few weeks. And I feel that way too. The semester has been a sprint and it's wonderful. Um, another student said, this is how school is supposed to feel, um, which made me sad in a little way too. Mm -hmm. um, but also uh, learning in a different way is helping me to think differently about school. And they're all already planning what they're going to do when the semester ends. Like, how do they keep this work going? And uh, also, can we have an alumni retreat? Mm. They're planning how to come back I uh, love as that. a cohort again. Are there any projects or success stories you'd want to share with us about what students have gotten done or maybe what they're working on now? So we have our students working on air quality and lead and the, the engineering projects. But I have to tell you, we just came back from an overnight science-focused field trip to the Ohio State Stone Lab, mm. which is basically um, a little island that you have to get to by boat, mm. and it's a field station. Um, so it's, it's a little bit like set back in time. Mm -hmm. But real climate and, and work around our lake is happening there. And, uh, you know, on the ride back, we reminisced a little, and they remarked about how everyone has different gifts mm -hmm. and different interests and unique ways of approaching the world. And you know, these are words from high school students. They are so much more capable than we think they are. Um, but out of that, I think we have a future field biologist and two who definitely won't be field biologists. <laughs> but um, I think that that's important for them. You know, they're thinking about careers and exploring Absolutely. what that looks like for them in the future. And um, their consensus for their favorite memory was not the water sampling, which I thought was really cool, or the, the snake lessons, which um, we actually got to see some Lake Erie water snakes. Amazing. Did you know that one woman successfully got that Lake Erie water snake removed from the endangered species list? That's amazing. You know, and her name's escaping me now, and I... We can always uh, add it to the show notes that, later. Okay, that would be great. Um, on a wall of scientists that had studied there, she there she was with the snake, and mm -hmm. like what an impact the students got to learn about. But their, act, their highlight was actually the three-hour bonfire mm. that happened, um, because one of our students who's a Boy Scout taught us all how to cultivate a fire and kept it going. And then, you know, one student brought a book of really deep conversation starters. Mm -hmm. And um, so the girls took part in their own circle without us planning it, um, taking turns to just listen to each other with empathy and intention. They were laughing and crying and, you know, taking photos and like truly being part of a community of, of change makers and just, um, I mean, it just made me think about how, how do we, as, 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 as they were cultivating the fire, how do we, in our change making, make sure that we keep our own flame going and mm -hmm. don't burn out? Yeah. And I think it's those moments of community um, that keep us going. Well, speaking of keeping the flame going, I want to hear about that from you as well. In our last few minutes together, I'd love to talk more about how you got into this work. We've talked a lot about what the work means to you at Laurel, um, and I love hearing about how the students are interacting with, with all the field work, but how did you get into doing this kind of thing? 
So, well, I mean, my first memory of knowing I cared more about the environment than others was um, in elementary school. Mm -hmm. I was passing around petitions. And then it wasn't really until I, I um, started studying my degree in environmental science mm -hmm. at the University of Miami in Florida that I, I learned about Superfund sites. So I put in my address, and I realized that I grew up a mile, about a mile from a Superfund site, which mm -hmm. if you don't know what that is, it's just identified as one of the most toxic areas. Um, and, you know, it really made sense for me because I, I watched folks around me struggle with, with cancer and Alzheimer's and chronic disease. And, um, I, you know, I grew up thinking that the sky was red at night for everyone. Mm. Um, so in that moment, I realized that I had a special responsibility mm -hmm. to, con to, you know, and that's, I think, where environmental justice came in and I didn't even know about that term at the time. Sure. Um, so that's how I, I really got started. And, you know, as a teacher, just leading nature clubs and teaching about climate change, um, I realized I, I have a lot. I still, there's still a lot to do. I have yeah. a lot of work to do. And I would like to go back to my hometown, which is Lorraine, Ohio. Shout out to Lorraine, which is revitalizing and, and has cleaned up a lot. And it's headed in a good direction. That's good. Well, something like the EJ didn't exist when you were young and you were finding this activism in yourself. So what were some of the ways that you started taking steps? And I would also be curious if there are ways that you think something like the environmental justice semester could have bolstered that for you. Oh, I say all the time that this is the semester that I wish I had mm -hmm. growing up. And I do have to say that part of the reason why I said yes to building this helping build this program was my daughter, mm -hmm. who is uh, already a vegetarian at, mm -hmm. at eight, she, you know, and, and cares deeply about the environment. So we're building this for the future, including, you know, my own future. But I think um, the way that I got started into activism, and, and really the activism that kind of moves the needle and changes policy, was when I started taking an interest in just the PTA at my kid's mm -hmm. school. And I learned about how, how change is made um, from within and um, community organizing and all of that. So, you know, these days I have a balance between engaging in the democratic process at the national and state level by commenting on legislation and campaigns, by showing up at critical board meetings and giving comment, by um, supporting local park renovations. But, you know, I also do what I can to raise my kids in the most sustainable way and be a role model for them. Yeah. Well, you're certainly doing the work both through your everyday job and also through how you're choosing to raise your kids and live your life. So I have to say, I'm so inspired by hearing you today, hearing about what this means for the next generation of climate scientists and activists, or even just informed citizens, but also seeing the passion coming out of you as you talk about what this means um, for students, but also for us as a community. So thank you so much for coming and talking with me today. It's It's been really wonderful. How about we let everybody know how they can keep up to date with you, the environmental justice semester, and also all things green in the future. Awesome. Great. If you'd like to stay connected to us, be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at One Planet Media. That's O-N-E-1. And if you'd like to rewatch full episodes, check out our YouTube channel, All Things Green Show. You can find all of our sources from today's episode in our show notes. Angela, if you have anyone that you want to shout out or anything you'd like to plug, now would be the time to do it. 
Yeah, well, I'd like to say that application season starts soon for high school girls entering 10th and 11th grade from any school in Northeast Ohio. If you'd like to learn more about the environmental justice semester at Laurel, you can visit laurelschool.org forward slash environmental justice and follow us on Instagram at Laurel EJ Semester. Um, the EJ Semester link will be in the notes today. And if you'd like to contact me, you can reach out to me at my email address found on our website. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us today. It's been wonderful to have you. Thank you for having me. Awesome.